All around the world, people are floundering. There's something missing, something more that they just can't grasp. Do you feel it too? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Every week, host Kevin Monroe will help you navigate to your true north and flourish in faith, business, and life. You found us for a reason. Stay tuned to find out why. Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Monroe, and we've got another first in store for you today. It's what we're calling Profiles of Purpose. It's an episode where we do a focused, deeper dive conversation with someone I know and respect as a person who's passionate about their purpose. I want to showcase them for their pursuit of purpose, as well as the path they traveled to discover what broader, perhaps even universal implications and applications might exist. In other words, how their story becomes or at least inspires your story and your journey to purpose. It's an incredible honor for me to introduce you to my friend, Jackie Bruton. Jackie is an author, a gifted youth motivational speaker, and a leading teen relationship expert. She's making significant impact in the lives of students all across the country. I've been privileged to know Jackie for more than 10 years, and she is truly one of the most inspiring and passionate people I know. So join me in welcoming Jackie Bruton to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Jackie Bruton, it's such a joy to welcome you to the Higher Purpose Podcast. As we get started here, for for people that might not know you, what's something that would help them to get to know the real Jackie better? Well, first, Kevin, thank you so much for um, even asking me to be on the podcast. I'm I'm really honored. Um, The thing that I think would probably shock a lot of people is that I have this severe fear of heights, but yet I went skydiving. <laughs> okay. So what, what led to the skydiving? You know, it's, it's funny because I tell people it was peer pressure. And, you know, I talk to teens all the time about not giving into peer pressure. And what did I do? I gave into peer pressure. But, you know, I, I just, it's the do it afraid, you know, the maybe if I did that afraid, everything else would be a piece of cake. Okay. I thought you were going to say peer pressure. And Jackie, I did not know this about you. and You don't know this about me. Uh, My wife has that exact same experience. Oh, wow. Years ago, we were part of a group through through a church that we're all going to go skydiving. We were at a picnic and Gary says, hey, everybody, let's go skydiving. And in that moment of peer pressure, right, Gwen goes, yeah, I'm in. And then we get in the car. She goes, what did I just commit to? I'm scared of this. And so we went skydiving. You went also? Yeah. Oh, I love skydiving. But what was so oh, wow. funny, Jackie, is when I got on the plane and saw all the duct tape holding that old Cessna together, <laughs> jumping out was the least of my fears. I didn't want to stay and have to land. That's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> so at this moment, well, well first off, for, for I said this in the intro, but I just got to say it again. This is the first Profile of Purpose episode we're doing on the Higher Purpose Podcast. And one of the reasons, Jackie, that I wanted you particularly for this episode, I guess I've known you 10 years or so. You are one of the most passionate people on the planet about your purpose. And I'm just inspired following you. So how do you describe your personal purpose right now? 
Well, it's kind of convoluted. I would say in a nutshell, it would be, I am to bring hope to a generation of teens. Okay. And, and, and here's the deal. If you had asked me that question like a year ago, the answer would probably have been very different because what I would have said a year ago is, you know, I empower teens to dream bigger dreams, make better decisions and walk into their destinies. And what I've realized over the last year is that the best way for me to bring hope to teens is by educating, equipping, and empowering their parents. Mm. So, so though most of my day, you know, most of my time is spent actually interacting with teens, what I've realized in the last year is that's kind of a means to an end. Because what I learned during the time that I'm with them, um, I share with the parents. So, you know, for 16 years, I've spoken to over 100,000 teens and I've received over 12,000 letters from teenagers. Wow. And what, what I've uh, learned while I've interacted with them and what I've read in their letters, I've realized that I am supposed to like use that information to empower their parents so that I can create, re- and I've created resources to empower the parents because the person who really needs to be there for the kids, it's not me. Like I'm there with them for a limited period of time, but they're with their parents every day. And so I can only have a limited amount of impact on their lives, but I can impact them to a greater degree by empowering and educating and equipping their parents. Wow. Okay. So this has been a 16 year journey just doing it, not even, we're going to go a little BP before purpose in just a moment, but 16 years doing it and your understanding has changed radically in just the last year is what I just heard you say. Right. I mean, it's like, I feel like I'm evolving, you know, and it's like, yeah, you're right. It's an ever learning, you know. Well, well, folks, I'm just going to pause just a moment and say, you heard it here first from Jackie. If you're thinking you've got to have crystal clear clarity at this moment before you get started, please know this. 16 years in, it's continuing to evolve, fresh understanding, deeper understanding, and that's what the journey to purpose looks like. All right, so let's go BP. Uh, Before purpose, what were you doing, Jackie? I spent the majority of my previous career um, working in human resources with Procter & Gamble. Okay. And, And... at what point along the way did you start thinking there was something else that you were to be doing? Something else was was part of that purpose or destiny, whatever you, word you were using at that point. You know, it's, it's interesting because most of my career at Procter & Gamble, like I knew that that wasn't my purpose in life. And what I would tell people, and, and I've told you this before, I was one of those really honest people that I would have very, very, very honest like career discussions that most people didn't expect. So I go into a career discussion and they say, what are your long-term career goals? Like expecting me to say, I want to be the vice president of Procter Gamble. And my response is my long-term career goal is not to be at P&G. And this is like, when you say a career decision, you're talking to your boss. Yeah. I, I'll never forget when I moved to Lima, Ohio, I was talking to the plant manager. I was the HR manager for the plant, the plant manager. And I said, you know, to not be at Procter & Gamble. And he pushes his chair back from the desk and says, tell me more. Wow. And I said to him, I said, I know that my purpose in life is to impact the lives of kids. Like I've known that for a while because what, what brought me joy and like gave me life was all the mentoring that I did outside of Procter & Gamble. 
Like I was the person that when I had a rough day at work, I'd go pick up my mentee after work so that I can say, okay, this is what life is about. Wow. And um, so I said, so I, I said, I often struggle with feeling like I'm choosing money over following my passion and my heart. And um, I'll never forget. He looks at me and he says, I know exactly how you feel. (laughs) Now I wasn't expecting that, but I was just always really, 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 you know, honest about the fact that that wasn't what, what God, you know, wasn't what God put me on earth to do mm-hmm. was to make soap. Cause I was in a manufacturing site at the time where we were making soap and I was like, it's just soap and it's all going down the drain. <laughs> now, how many years were you at PNG? Um, for uh, 18 years. Okay. Wow. All right, Jackie. Um, so what prompted you to pursue purpose then you, you realize there's something more you realize you're, you're getting real energy through the time you're mentoring. So how did that journey go from where you were to becoming, you know, to, to starting doing what you've been doing the last 16 years? Well, there were two quotes that I heard. Um, I can't remember at what point in my career I heard these quotes, but one was, we weren't created to work for a living, but we were created to make what we work, what we, what we live for our work. Oh, I love that. We weren't created to work for a living. We were created to make what we live for our work. Okay. That was the first quote. The second quote was, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. And so, you know, we've, that's a very common one. And so I knew, like, I, you know, what I felt like doing, what I was doing at Procter & Gamble felt like work. But I think the thing, the catalyst that I think helped me move me from where I was to where I ended up is January 1st, 1998. I went to the, to the bookstore to buy a book on financial planning and ended up with a book in my hand by Lori Beth Jones called The Path, Creating Your Mission Statement for Work and for Life. And I started like flipping through it at the bookstore. And by the time I got home, I had read 10 pages of the book and I was driving, <laughs> but we won't, we won't go into that. We won't go into that. And so the one thing that she talked about was writing a vision of what does the perfect life look like? And I think my aha moment was how difficult it was for me to do that. Mm. Because what I realized is it's very easy to complain about what you don't want. Mm. You know, so I was like, I, this job is just sucking the life out of me and all this kind of stuff. But it's much more difficult to articulate what does it look like when you get it. And so I ended up really agonizing over writing this vision. And when I wrote the vision, it was in 1998. I did nothing changed about my job. I was still, you know, eating three meals a day at the plant. I was still working 12 hours a day. I was still stressed out. But what happened that changed was I wrote this vision and I would take it into my office and I left it on my desk. And every time I got stressed out at work, I would read this vision and I would say, my current situation is only temporary. I will live this life one day. So that was what got me through like the stressful times, because from the time I wrote this vision, it was three years later before I would leave Procter and Gamble. Okay. Somebody needs to just push the pause button now and just let that soak a moment. Uh, From the time she wrote this dream vision or, or vision statement of her dream life, three years later, before she made the move. I love that you took this statement in 
and you had it very visible and that it was visible, especially in the tough times. Right. In that mantra that, that, uh, uh, my current situation is only temporary. So folks, I'm telling you, I know there are people that are listening to this, that you need to be reminded of that. Your current situation is only temporary. Now, here's what I love. Jackie, you, you emailed me this just overnight. And that as you were preparing for this call, you found that vision statement that you wrote in 1998. Gosh, that's almost 20 years ago now. That, that, that as the airing of this podcast, so that I just I, I was I'm, I was thrilled when I read that, and when you said how much of that has now come to pass. All right, so let's talk about those three years a moment. What what was an early decision? Maybe even the first decision you made back 1998 in that year. When was it that something really began to shift for you, and, and you started? the journey that led you away from P&G? Um, you know, I think writing that vision statement was, you know, what I call the, the, the kind of the pivotal moment. Mm. And what happened after that was I was in a very stressful job and I transferred from that job probably six months after I wrote that vision statement. I transferred from Ohio to Atlanta. And the job that I was in in Atlanta wasn't nearly as stressful as the job that I was in in Lima. And so I think one of the things that took me so, took, took me so long to actually make the move is the pain that I was in got lessened. Mm. And so then I got, I got comfortable. And so, you know, it's like I was back in a honeymoon stage of a new job that wasn't nearly as stressful. Um, it was actually probably one of the most enjoyable jobs I had during my entire career, you know, at, at um, P&G. But let me tell you the thing that I always say I am glad that I left when I did and not in 1998 is because if I had left in 1998, even though I had this vision that I was running to, I would have felt like I was running away from something mm. that I was running away from pain. And so what I loved is the fact that when I decided to leave in 2001, I was in one of the most enjoyable roles that I had at Procter & Gamble. So it wasn't that, it, that my current job was painful. It was just that I was, that, that vision was still out there of what my purpose was. And the, the crazy thing is a year after I left, I got a, cause I left with a severance package and I got a call from them asking me to come back. And I could have kept my severance package. And this is what I said to the guy who called me and asked me to come back. I said, I left Procter & Gamble not because I was running from something, but because I was running toward something. And I said, the thing that I was running toward is still pulling me. And I said, I'm flattered that you would want me to come back. But my answer is, you know, is no, because I'm, you know, I'm still going in the direction of my dreams. I, I love that because... There was a time, if I can recast what I just heard, there was a time when you were thinking of leaving and leaving was much easier than staying. But when right. you actually left, staying was quite easy. Right. Things were good. Right. But you, you so that, that's just an incredible transition in how you left. And I love that you weren't running from something because I think there are a lot of times, and 
Not that there's anything wrong with running from something. I remember my friend Mike Kim sharing, you know, there were times in his life that he wasn't sure what he was running from, but he knew the pain of his current situation was so bad he couldn't stay there. So don't hear this as there is one right situation for you. Jackie's just talking about what was right for her at that moment. So how did you begin to start thinking differently about, what was drawing you? I mean, obviously, it, it drew you over a three-plus-year period before you actually made the leap. Is that? Yeah, and I continued to I continued to mentor, um, participate in mentoring programs, and I continued to be like burdened and heartbroken about what I was hearing from the the young ladies that I was mentoring. And so then it wasn't the burden of the job that was drawing me. It was the burden of the, the, the people that I was being called to. Okay. And so I think it got to the point where it was, it's hard to explain at the moment that I just decided, okay, I'm going to do it. Well, that's what I want. I want to dig into a little bit, if you will, because I love this, that there was something, it's, it's not like there was this immediate transition. You, you found your passion and were doing it in a volunteer mentoring capacity. And all of a sudden, it just became more and more and more to where there was this moment that you just said, okay, I'm, I need to go do this all the time now. It's, not, it's now so big, I can't just do it part of the time. What, what happened there? What, made that, what happened that helped you make that shift or say, now it's time to, to go do this full time? You know, I, it was a conversation I had with a friend of mine. And I think um, just from a spiritual standpoint, you know, I'm a person of faith. It was like I got a revelation where it was as if I heard God say something, but it came out of my mouth, uh-huh. if, if you understand that. I do. It's like, it's like I said, you know, I'm waiting on God to give me this plan or I'm waiting on. And, it, you know, it's like God was saying to me, I'm, you're waiting on this and you're putting what I consider my ministry on hold, like waiting for something else. And so I was like, wow, I just got this revelation. I'm not going to wait any longer. Hmm. Like, I'm, and, I, and I said, give me a year. And I said that a year before I left. So after a couple years, then a year before I left, I said, just give me a year to figure out how to start a nonprofit organization, how to, you know, everything there is to know about teen pregnancy prevention, because, you know, I was mentoring young ladies and sex just happened to be the issue that was causing most of them the most regrets. And so that's how I kind of decided that was kind of what I wanted to focus on was helping them understand their value and their worth so they wouldn't make poor choices. Okay. So you took, did it take the full year to make that transition? Well, the interesting thing that happened is um, I decided I was going to leave in a year. And um, <laughs> after I said it, you know, you, you make a commitment and then you're like, what did I just do? <laughs> so after I said it, I remember saying, um, okay, God, I, I believe that if you give me the, if you gave me a vision, you'll also send me provision. Uh-huh. I said, but it really would be nice if Procter & Gamble would offer a voluntary separation package so that I could leave with a cushion because here, you know, I'm starting a nonprofit organization. I have no idea when I'm going to get funded, you know? So it's, it, it's a huge financial leap to make that plan. And, um, 
So I, you know, I, I, it dawns on me what I've, what I've committed to. And then I go back and try to negotiate with God, you know, and um, I remember going to my boss and because I was the HR manager, it wasn't an odd question. They had offered a package about seven years earlier. And um, I said, do you think Procter & Gamble is going to offer another package again? And he says, no, I doubt it. And I remember leaving saying, if God wants me to have a package, Procter & Gamble will offer it and you won't even know why. Within three months, they announced that they were offering a voluntary separation package. Wow. So it was like those kind of things just started. Like I said, I was waiting on this plan. But once I made the commitment and let the words come out of my mouth, like the, the, the things just started falling into place. Yeah. So uh, I love there's a quote from Paulo Coelho that, that uh, about the universe conspiring with us, you know, when we set out on this journey. Uh, so some people would say that's the universe. Some people would say God set things in action. But I just love this, that once you made a decision and you started down the path, things started falling into place. Yeah, and, and I think another thing that, that you'll find interesting is the plan that I, that I after I, you know, I'm, I'm not a spontaneous kind of person normally. Like, I'll process something a hundred different ways before it dies a slow death, before I act on it. Like, that's my, that's my normal personality. So before, in this year that I said, you know, after I made the commitment, like, I, you know, wrote a business plan for an after-school program. I um, got a 501c3 approved. So in my mind, I had to have all my ducks in a row before I would take this leap. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is, I never started the after school program. What I ended up doing was something totally different than what I thought I was gonna do when I left Procter & Gamble. Even though the end result was still the same, I was making a difference in the lives of you know teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times that's what people get caught up in is, what they planned originally, if it doesn't go that way, they think that it's over, that wasn't my purpose, but it just looks like, it looks different than what you had in mind initially, or at least that's what my experience was. Yeah, let's unpack that a moment because Jackie, I've met so many people that struggle with this. I recently had a conversation and it blew my mind. Uh, Jeremy Courtney ended up uh, with the Preemptive Love Coalition. I thought he went to Iraq to start that. He went to Iraq with another organization and what he went there for fell apart. And that led to the forming of this organization. So there's so many times that yeah. we have this vision or plan in our minds. And when things don't turn out like we thought, it's easy to say that's a failure, that something didn't work out. Or you can just say, wow, I'm, I'm still doing what I set out to do. It just doesn't look anything like I thought it would look. So and that's, ex that's exactly my experience. Exactly. Yeah. So, so was that difficult for you at any point in time? Do you remember thinking, oh gosh, I blew it. Uh, this isn't working out or, or what, what was that experience? Well, what I found out after I started my 501c3 and I started going to all of these workshops at the Georgia Center for Nonprofits, I started realizing how difficult it is to, for a brand new nonprofit to get funding. And every workshop I went to, and they brought people in from foundations, they would all say the same thing. We don't start, we don't fund startups. We don't fund startups. And so, you know, it's like, wow, like it's <laughs> this doing a nonprofit is a whole lot more difficult than I thought it would be. And, um, but the interesting thing is I met, I went to a conference and the whole thing is networking. I went to a conference at Kennesaw State University 
And I met a woman, and you know Carolou Britt, who is with the organization that you did some consulting with. I met her, and our conversation led to her saying, we send speakers into the schools. Would you be interested in being one of those speakers? And when I agreed to do it, I thought, okay, I'll just do this as a volunteer, and this will be a great way for me to get funding. Because at that point, I'm still thinking I'm going down the route of you know, having a nonprofit. This will be a great thing to, you know, say that I go into the public schools and all this stuff. And it just, one thing led to another. And that grew from me speaking in middle schools to me doing parent workshops, to me speaking in high schools, to them getting another grant that, you know, I ended up going on staff with them. It just, the wheels just started rolling and it was nothing I could have even scripted. I love it, Jackie. I love it. So the, the the question I wanted to ask was, uh, what what came easier than you thought? What came easier than I thought? I think what came easier than I thought was finding an audience, being mm-hmm. the kids, and how receptive they would be to a message of truth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm talking about to teens, you know, about a, a topic that most adults would say. Teenagers don't want to hear about somebody coming in telling them about how to make good choices about having sex and why they shouldn't have sex as a teenager. That's not the best choice. And so I was really leery because my after school program was going to be a holistic holistic program, which was financial literacy, career planning. I mean, that was just going to be one part of it. So then when that didn't work out and I'm doing this specific thing about talking to teenagers about sex, I was really, really nervous, especially going from middle school to high school because you know high school you got you know juniors and senior guys and so that has come a whole lot easier is that kids are so receptive Mm. and they're hungry for some adults to come in and help guide them what kind of setbacks have you encountered well well first off have you encountered setbacks i mean that that's kind of an assumption i make that most of us have setbacks um, you know, I don't like to, I really don't like to say, like, even when people say, what would you do differently? Yeah. Like I always look and say, well, but if I had done this differently, then this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. yeah. And if I had done this differently, that wouldn't have happened. And so, you know, from a time standpoint, when I went, when I made a choice to go on staff with the, another nonprofit. So, um, it was very, very, very time consuming. And very stressful. I was doing what I love doing because I was still talking to teens and helping teens make good choices, but I was doing a lot of the management, you know, HR administrative kind of stuff again. And so in my mind, I'm like, wow, I didn't leave Procter and Gamble to get back into handling HR issues and training. And like, I really left it for me to have direct interaction with teenagers. And so, you know, I, and I spent, Ooh, how many years with that organization? Actually, I still do contract work with them. But I think that when I look at like where I could be right now as far as impact, overall impact with kids, I'm probably not as far as I could be as far as reaching the masses because I spent so much time focused on just a small group of kids, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and I don't know this about you, Jackie. There's several things I have gotten to know about you. This, I don't know. Whatever happened with that nonprofit that you set out to start? 
it never got funded. And you know, I don't know if you, about nonprofits, if you don't get 80% of your funding from the public within five years, you have this, this you know, advanced ruling period. So I never, I never asked for money for it. So after five years, it kind of dissolved. Okay. Even in that, there, there is a lesson that I really want, I hope somebody's getting. And that's that what you set out to do, while it didn't pan out the way you envisioned, it doesn't mean you didn't, you weren't faithful to the mission. Right. Things evolve. That's what you and I were talking about before we hit the record button. How things evolve and our understanding of things evolve over time. So, folks, what, what's really important that I would encourage you, the, the important thing is to take action. The important thing is to get started. And when Jackie and I were talking beforehand, uh, one of those things what you were talking about in that season, somebody said to you how hard it is to steer a parked car. Just get right. moving. So, folks, what you end up doing may look nothing like you think it will, but it may be even better than what you imagine. So let's talk about that. Uh, what What's happened for you? Because I know you, you talked about this idea, you know, the, of just, impacting a few, but your impact has grown tremendously. Right. It, I limited myself by saying I wanted to do the nonprofit because my goal was to start out with 10 girls and every year add 10 more girls. And so you th do the numbers with that and say, you know, 10 girls this year, over 10 years, I've spoken to over a hundred thousand kids. Yeah. And I've created products that can reach, you know, has the potential to reach millions because I've done, you know, a DVD for teen girls, a DVD for teen guys, a DVD for parents and a book for teen girls. And I just did an e-course for parents called How to Have the Tough Conversations. So if things had worked out the way in my limited, you know, view, I might have reached, you know, hundreds of kids by now. Yeah. <laughs> but I've reached, you know, 100,000. Over 100,000. Yeah. Plus. Yeah. Okay. So you used another word earlier that I believe is so important. You talked about relationships. So let's talk about how, what was the role of relationships in helping those products that you just talked about come to fruition? Oh, Kevin, that's been huge. And, and you know, for years, I've created my first product in 2014. So three years ago. So that means I had been speaking to teens for 13 years and had done nothing. And you, um, we talked the other day about you introduced me to somebody that I ended up in a mastermind group with, Scott Kaufman. And I'll never forget one of the, one of the best pieces of advice or things that Scott said to me was, he said, do you ever listen to the advice that you give the kids? <laughs> I mean, kind of convicting. But one of the, he said, do you remember, because he came and heard my class one day and he said, do you remember when you said to the kids, the enemy of best is not bad. The enemy of best is good. Mm. And he said, I see what you're doing by limiting yourself to just speaking to kids in person. But what, that's a good thing. He said, but the best thing is for you to create some products where you can reach kids when you're not even physically there. And it, it was, it was, I mean, it was convicting, but it was so true because I would always, you know, hear parents tell me after a parent workshop, I wish I could take you home and talk to my daughter. And I kept hearing that over and over again. And I remember Scott saying, Jackie, 
there's no reason why you can't say, I can't go talk to your daughter, but here's a DVD that you can show your daughter. He's, here's a book that you can show your daughter. But it all came from relationships about being around like-minded people that could challenge you. You know, this whole mastermind group that I was in. So there's another lesson here, and it's something that I've, I hear myself saying a lot. I, I don't know when I started, but purpose dies in isolation, but thrives in community. So get around people. Uh, it, it was at a networking event where you found this first relationship right. that really opened the door to you expediting what might have taken you years otherwise. All of a sudden, you're on the fast track. You're doing your purpose in record amount of time. Then through other relationships, now you're multiplying your reach because somebody had said, hey, why don't you do this? This has potential. So this is amazing. Jackie, what's different about your life now? When you look at, and and I mean, you can answer that in any way. I want to ask you a specific way in a moment. I want to ask about your level of fulfillment, your, your, the the level of joy and meaning you have, but you can answer that however you want to at this moment. What's different from the days you were working at PNG, you know, the, the later years to now? Well, it's funny because one of the things I talk to the students about in the classroom is I tell them that, you know, I made a decision that it wasn't enough for me to be successful, that I wanted to be significant. Yeah. And I say successful is when you add value to your own life. Like you can buy a lot of stuff, you can accumulate a lot of things, but when you're dead, you're just dead. And I said, but when you make a decision to be significant, that's when you add value to somebody else's life. And I said, that's what legacies are made of. And I tell them, I say, you know what, when you have a life of significance and you do something you're passionate about, I said, it doesn't feel like work. And I said, you know, another quote was, if you find something, you know, you never look a day at work a day in your life. And I told them, I said, when I was in corporate America, I said, I did the same thing most of my coworkers did on Sunday nights. I dreaded Monday morning. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't believe the weekend ended this fast. Like, I can't believe the weekend is over. And so I tell the students, I said, do y'all know what I do on Sunday nights now? I say, I wonder what the student's going to be like tomorrow. I said, I actually look forward to coming and talking to you every day because I'm passionate about it. And the thing that that the students tell me is how much they can tell that this isn't a job for me. Mm. And so it, it makes me feel good to know that it comes out in the way I deliver the material that this isn't a job. This is a passion. I love it. So what's some of the best counsel or advice you've received in your journey towards purpose? Um, probably to not compare my journey with anybody else's journey oh. would, be, would, be, would be one of the things. Um, and, and we talked about this, I think it was before we got on the call, is how, you know, people look at where somebody is and they think it's been a, you know, a bed of roses and it's been a great, and they, they don't see everything they went through in order to get to where they are. And so if you, you know, if you have your own journey and you don't compare it to anybody else's, then it, it just eliminates a whole lot of stress and you know, from your life. I love it. I love it. Gosh, if if we could just live free of comparison, all of us would be much happier in life. So Jackie, knowing what you know now, what would you like to go back and tell your pre-purpose self back in the day when, when you're eating three meals a day at work? Um, I think I would tell myself to 
not to not wait on this plan that I waited for for so long to not wait for everything to be right before, you know, before you make the move. Um, you know, that, that where you end up may look different than where you started, but that's not bad. You know, that's, that's okay. Wow. Don't wait for everything to be right before you get started. I love that. So, so say someone that's listening, or you have a friend that's just awakening to the idea that their life has purpose and meaning. What do you believe is something you'd love to, to share with them? And we talked about this earlier is to be open, to be open to the fact that what your vision is may look different than where you end up. And you just be okay with that. And the, the importance of networking. I mean, we talked about that a little bit early too, is like the whole relationships with other people. I cannot tell you how many doors were opened just randomly. Like, and I, I, I'll never forget. I don't know if you've heard of Good Samaritan um, mm. down, down in Atlanta. So when I was still at Procter & Gamble, I um, read about the founder of Good Samaritan in the newspaper. And he had been an executive at Coca-Cola and, you know, decided to start this thing. And, and at the time, I'm still at Procter & Gamble, but I know what my vision is. I'll never forget, I sent him an email. I found his email address, sent him an email. And all I said in the email was, your life inspires me. Hmm. You know, I am in a similar place where, you know, I want, I want to follow my passion and I'm in corporate America, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm sitting at, at my desk at P&G one day and... I, my phone rings and he says, this is, and I can't, his name was Dr. Warren, but he said his first name. And I had a, cause I was an HR manager for the sales organization. So I had a salesperson that had that name and I thought that's who it was. And so I'm talking and he's like, no. And I'm like, do you mean this is the Dr. Warren, the Dr. Warren at Good Samaritan Health Center? And he's like, yes, I was just blown away that he called me. And so he asked me, you know, I told him, you know, my story. And I said, I would love to come and volunteer because I just love what you're doing. So he said, you know, I went down. It ended up because I was still at Procter & Gamble, I couldn't volunteer because they were only open, only open Monday through Friday, eight to five. And so I was thinking I could do some volunteering on the weekend or after work. But while I was there, I met another volunteer named Gene Scott, who I call my guardian angel. Jean came up to me and said, I have some people I think you need to meet. And I didn't go there to meet Jean Scott. And, and that was 19, that was 2001. Do you know Jean Scott and I still keep in touch? He's 80 something years old. Wow. We, still, we still meet for lunch periodically. <laughs> you just never know where those connections are going to come. So, you know, and that's how I can name tens of stories like that, where I went somewhere for one thing networking with somebody and met somebody else at that location yeah. yeah, that opened a door for me. So I would, one of the things I would say is you know, be open to, to establishing relationships and networking. So Jackie, before we go, I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you to give a word of hope to somebody that's in that situation, the, the boss you had that feels trapped at work. They're working for a living, but they want to do something else. What's the hope you'd share with them? I would say to them is to not to lose hope. And I think that's what happens oftentimes is because it seems like such a big leap 
that they don't take the small steps to try to get them to where they need to go. And I mean, that's, that's just life. You know, it's like people think it's, if you, what's the other quote that I think Nelson Mandela said, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to see the next step. And so I would say, you know, take the small steps until, and you will be amazed how far you've come over a period of time just by continuing to move. Wow. I love that. You'll, you, you, you'll be amazed at how far you travel just taking small steps. Exactly. Don't wait for the big leap. Take small steps. Jackie, thanks for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Now, I know there are people that really want to know more about Jackie Bruton. They, they want to see you in action. They want to hear this advice that is life-changing for folks. Where do they go? They can go to my website at JackieBruton.com or I'm most active on uh, Facebook as far as social media platforms, but I have a ton of videos out there on YouTube as well. And I have, uh, I have them organized by if you're a parent, if you're a teenager, if you're a college student. So if you want to see it in action, you know, or, and I have a weekly blog that I, um, you know, send out blog posts that kind of chronicles what I see and hear from the kids in the classroom. Yeah. And I know some of these videos are from the kids themselves talking about this, but I got to have you share the name of the book you wrote. The book that I wrote last year, which was a long time coming is seven secrets guys will never tell you a teen girl's guide on love, sex, and relationships. All right. So you can also get that at JackieBruton.com or other places that sell books. Jackie, thank you so much. This has been inspiring. As I told you earlier, you're one of the most inspirational people I know. I love following you. You you have no idea how many times I read your post. I don't always respond, but I'm just encouraged to know that you are in the world and you are living on purpose, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that, Kevin. And thank you so much for having me on here. I've, I've, It's just been thrilled to have this conversation with you today. What a rich and delicious conversation with Jackie. Jackie, thank you for your work to inspire 100,000 youth so far. And I know you're just getting started on your impact. Here are a couple of nuggets I want to make sure you continue to nibble on as you go on throughout your day. Jackie's first step was actually writing out her vision for her ideal future, something she did three years before making the leap. It was not an overnight change for Jackie, but as she said, overnight things began changing in her life just because she wrote out that dream, that vision. Suddenly she had clarity to realize that her current situation was temporary and she was now on the path to purpose and destiny. I encourage you to think about doing the same if you haven't done so already. Second, don't wait until everything is right. It's never going to be the perfect time. Take some kind of action now. I mean now, today. Whatever action step that might be for you, get moving. Remember, movement creates momentum. Finally, Be open to it, whatever it is for you, being radically different from how you currently envision it. Hold it loosely, palms up and open, not gripping or grasping or having your tightly designed plan of how it must unfold. Just steward it as it comes and watch it grow and blossom as you go. 
Remember, you were meant for more. Stop settling for less. Until next time, I'm your guide, Kevin Monroe, and I hope you continue navigating north on your journey. This episode was one of our Profile of Purpose episodes where we're talking to people who are doing an amazing job of living, working, and serving on purpose. If you know someone who would make a great Profile of Purpose, we'd love for you to email us at kevin at kevinmonroe.com.